I heard a story about a man that loved gold. He was obsessed with his lust for gold. He unexpectedly inherited a great amount of money, and now he could feed his lust. So he totally redecorated his home. He put gold-flecked wallpaper up in his bedroom to go with yellow curtains. He had a rug made of gold shavings for the foot of his bed to go with his gold-flecked bedspread and his yellow sheets. He even wore yellow pajamas, and wouldn't you know it, he contracted yellow jaundice. So his wife called the doctor to come see him. He went into the bedroom and after some time came back out and his wife said, well, how is he? And the doctor said, I don't know. I couldn't find him. The story has a moral and that is it is very possible for people to lose themselves in their possessions. Now, the good news is this really helps the barn building industry the bad news is they are collecting fool's gold and so as we look at another one of these wonderful crazy radical stories from Jesus I want you to realize he's giving a very stern warning to barn again believers but all of Jesus best stories have a backstory. There's a reason he told them. So to appreciate this wonderful story, we have to appreciate the conversation that initiated it. So let's start in chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, Who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, Now I want you to get the importance of what Jesus is about to say. Because he doesn't usually give a double warning. Watch out! Be on your guard. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm about to say something heavy here. Pay attention You better get what I'm about to say next, because it's serious. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, wasn't this guy just doing what Jesus had said in the earlier chapter to do? He said, ask, seek, knock. That's what he's doing. He's asking, he's seeking, he's knocking for a bigger part of the inheritance. But Jesus discerned in his request not a passion for justice, but a misplaced passion for things as the goal of life. So he says, watch out. Listen up, everybody. This is serious stuff I'm about to say. Be on your guard. He is warning us to prevent the spread of the greed virus. Right now, we're trying to prevent the spread of swine flu. We're washing our hands. We're asking people to keep sick children away from school and other gatherings. We're taking precautions, and rightly so. Jesus says there is a virus. It's even more deadly It's even more contagious, and everyone has been infected to a certain degree. So you better watch out. You better be on your guard, because this virus will kill you. 
and we've all been exposed. You don't think so? Remember a few years ago, there was a popular television program, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Didn't that question answer itself? Do you think that show would have gotten good ratings if it had been called, Who Wants to Be an Inner City Social Worker? Now remember, Jesus is speaking to people that live just on the edge of poverty. Most of Jesus' audience were poor people that just had something to wear and something to eat. When he taught them to pray, give us this day our daily bread, that wasn't metaphorical. That's how most of them lived. So he's telling them, watch out, be on your guard, because the greed virus is out there and it's deadly. In other words, there's no race, there's no gender, there's no socioeconomic class that is immune from this virus. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter what your working class is, it doesn't matter if you're African or Asian. We've all been exposed. The greatest threat to the church today is not legalism, it's not liberalism, it is materialism. Now, when you hear me say materialism, you think, oh, he's going to preach against rich people. Listen, materialism has nothing to do with the amount of stuff you have because materialism is ultimately a world view. It's a way of thinking that elevates the seen over the unseen, the temporary over the eternal, the physical over the material. And this way of thinking spreads... The virus. And you've been exposed. Here are some of the symptoms. Do you tend to plan your life around finances more than God's will? When you have a major decision to make, do you get together with other Christians and pray and read the Bible and seek the leading of the Holy Spirit? Or do you ask, where's the money? That's a symptom of the virus. When people ask you about your blessings, do you tend to think about material things or spiritual things first? That's a symptom. Do you get uneasy when I announce that I'm going to do a series of sermons on giving? That's because you've been exposed to the virus. When you're just driving your car, taking a shower, going on a walk, and your mind starts to wander, does it wander to what you just got or what you want next? Do you prefer the company of people who have a whole lot more than the company of people who have nothing? We've all been exposed. What would our family and friends say if they were asked if we had the virus? If they were asked, just based on what you see out of their lives, what would you say is their priorities? You see, Jesus says the problem is not our income, it's our insatiability. Our inability to be content with what we have leads us to consistently make life choices that, from heaven's perspective, can only be deemed 
foolish. Maybe, for example, you heard the story of the guy who thought he was quite the expert in antiquity. So he goes into this used furniture store, and there on the floor, he spots a priceless vase from the Ming dynasty. This thing's worth a fortune, and the guy's got it on the floor with milk in it for a cat. And he thinks, this fool has no idea what he's got there, but I can't let him know or he'll jack up the price. So he notices the cat and says, you know, that cat looks just exactly like the cat my daughter's been wanting. I want to buy that cat. The man says, you don't want that cat. That's just an old, cheap alley cat. You don't want that cat. No, I don't want to argue about it. In fact, I'm I'm going to pay you $500. Let's not quibble. I've got to have that cat. And the guy says, all right, he's yours. He gives him $500. Then he says, you know what, I'm going to need something to feed it, so why don't you just throw in that bowl too? And the owner says, are you nuts? That is a vase from the Ming Dynasty. That thing is priceless. And the funny thing is, ever since I put milk in it, I've sold 18 cats. When you get the virus, you make dumb choices one After the other. And now you're ready to hear the story. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barn and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Question. Is barn guy good, bad, or ugly? Now, don't be too quick to answer. Jesus doesn't say he was unethical. Doesn't say anything about him being wealthy because of theft or graft or underpaying his employees. Wouldn't you want your son to become a successful, wealthy, moral, hard working businessman? Who's going to say it's a moral failure for a farmer who's done very well to build a bigger barn? But Jesus discerned in his motivation some assumptions that were corrosive to his soul and offensive to his God. Jesus says, barn again thinking is for fools. Why? Well, let's explore. I think the first foolish assumption he had was that more stuff means more 
years. You notice he said, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. You see, he believed the length of his life corresponded to the amount of his stuff. And so he built a bigger barn because he thought he had time to use everything it held. He thought, you know, the more stuff I have, the more time I get to use it. This is one of Satan's greatest delusions, that prosperity produces security. It's why we're workaholics. It's why we fret so much when the stocks do bad. Because we've got this lie that the virus put in our heads that says, if you can just get enough stuff, then you will control your future. Oh, really? So you're telling me if I will buy a bigger house, I have a less chance of getting cancer than if I stay in a small one. Or that when I go home today and a drunk driver is coming down the road and crosses the median, he's less likely to hit me if I'm in an expensive car than if I'm in a cheaper car. Foolishness. You think this guy never heard teaching about this? You think when he went to the synagogue, the rabbi didn't stand up and read Torah and talk about the frailty of life? But the virus blocks all that out. He's like the guy who says to his buddy, hey, I finally found a piece of land I could afford to start building a house. You want to see it? So he takes him to a railroad track. And he's got the frame laid out across the track. He says, I can afford this land. It was cheap. I'm building a house. But you're building it on a railroad track. Yeah, so I can afford it. Yeah, but someday a train's going to come through and knock your house down. See, you're just like my preacher. All you want to do is focus on the negative. By calling him a fool, Jesus wasn't engaging in petty labeling. He was offering a tragically accurate assessment of his life. Heaven is amazed at the folly of a person that will prepare for every possible contingency except the most inevitable certainty of all. Death. Some years ago, I knew a preacher that used to have a campus ministry out in Southern California at the USC campus. And he knew a man that taught a first-year course in the prestigious USC Law School. And every year, on the first day of class, he would say to his brand-new students, Why are you in my class? Somebody would say, Well, because it's required. What then? Well, we'll take more classes. What then? Well, we'll graduate from law school. What then? We'll try to pass the bar exam. What then? Well, we'll try to get hired by a nice law firm. What then? Well, we'll try to do well and maybe make partner. What then? Well, we'll try to make a whole lot of money and retire and be very successful. What then? And some student will inevitably get frustrated and say, well, then we'll die. And this brilliant professor would then say, what then? Now that's wisdom. You won't find that in any textbook. But that's wisdom. Fools and wise people all die. But wise people 
invest in view of this reality. While fools leave everything back in a barn. How foolish to think that more stuff means more years. Or to think that more stuff means more happiness. He says, I'll say to myself, take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. He assumed that an abundance of stuff guaranteed an abundance of joy. (laughs) See, this is the effect of the virus. We start believing in life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. Even though... This lie is constantly debunked. You know, there are few lies more commonly held and more consistently proved to be lies than this one. Every day we see evidence that just having a lot of money doesn't mean you'll be a happy person. And we continue to chase money because the virus is so strong in our mind. Do you really think if you're in college and you get a phone call and your parents tell you they're going to get a divorce, it's going to hurt Less if you have nicer clothes than your sweet mates? Or if you get a call, mom and dad, from that same college and they tell you that your student's been arrested and they have a very bad drug problem, is that going to hurt less if you know it costs a lot of money to send your kid to the, a prestigious school? Foolishness. It's like the story of the king who was depressed and sent his servants out through his kingdom and said, I want you to find the happiest man in my kingdom you can find and bring me back his shirt so I can wear it. And they found the happiest man in the whole kingdom. Just one problem, he didn't own a shirt. Jesus says it's foolish to chase happiness and that which can only deteriorate and depreciate. But we do. Next month, we'll go out and we'll pull out our credit cards and foolishly go into lots of debt because of this lie that if I can just buy and give enough stuff, I'll make people happy and I'll be happy. We ought to be honest. Everything we wrap up, we ought to put a little tag on it saying, just remember, one day this will burn. I'm not saying it's wrong to give gifts. Especially to your minister. I'm just saying, (laughs) it's foolish to think anything that can deteriorate and depreciate and ultimately wind up in a junkyard can bring lasting joy. Abundant living is not the result of an abundance of possessions. It's the result of an abundance of God. You don't find joy, the Bible says, by filling up a barn. But by being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says joy is a gift. It's not a purchase. But a fool can't see that. Because he's too full of something else. You see, a fool thinks more stuff means more self. The self-absorbed always carry the virus. You notice all through Jesus' story, there's nobody else mentioned. 
Barn guy lives completely for self. He talks to himself. He plans for himself. He parties with himself. He congratulates himself. After 30 years of preaching, now I have learned in counseling when someone gets mad and says, I have a right to be happy, they're almost always saying, I have a right to be selfish. Where were the other people? Recently I read about Leona Helmsley, the famous multimillionaire lady from New York City. She passed away. What happened to all of her money? Do you know who got more of it than anybody else? Her dog. She left millions to take care of her dog, who will be buried with her in her multi-million dollar mausoleum that she built. Actually, her husband who preceded her in death was in a different mausoleum, but she got upset because they had built a second one that blocked his view of the skyline. So she spent millions on a new mausoleum, 1,300 feet for them, with Greek columns and stained glass uh, Manhattan skyline. And they rest there now, and she left millions in the will so that every year it will be steam washed. Even in death, the focus was completely on self. Why didn't barn guy seek the wisdom of the believing community? Why didn't he go down to a synagogue and get with his rabbi and some of his brothers and say, you know, God has been so good to me, all my current barns are full, and I still can't keep everything. What should I do? And they could have prayed. They could have read Torah. They could have sought the leading of God. And maybe somebody would have said, hey, I know where you can store your extra grain. How about the mouths of the needy? How about the stomachs of the hungry? But the self-absorbed leave the needy ignored. Because building bigger barns doesn't leave much energy left for the time-consuming work of loving God and loving neighbor. But hey, who can argue with success? And Jesus says, God can. And so this hard working, successful, apparently ethical businessman is the only person in the Bible to whom God personally says, You fool. I remember a preacher saying about 40 years ago, he knew this guy that had these two paintings he put in his house intentionally to protect him from the virus. The first was a painting of barn guy with the new barn and the field and the harvest and under the painting were these words the failure who looked like a success and in another place in the house there was another picture of Jesus on a cross covered in blood nails through his hands and feet and beneath were the words the success that looked like a failure You are not going to escape the devastating consequences of the greed virus unless you do something about it.
you are going to have to pursue an intentional strategy of inoculation or the virus will get you. And the best vaccine I know is what Jesus said, be rich toward God. Intentionally be generous for the sake of the kingdom of God. And then you'll be wise. You see, the wise life is built to last. Jesus is warning us against trivial pursuits. He's warning us not to allow the sum total of our life to be incinerated. You don't want to stand before Lord God and the Lord say, And what did you do with all the blessings I poured into your life? And say, Well, Lord, I wanted to show you, but they all burned up. You want to build something with your life that lasts. I thought about this all week. Because as some of you know, on Monday morning, my father-in-law, James Lida, passed away. He had had about an 18-month struggle with congestive heart failure. He was a great man, wonderful father, father-in-law, and grandfather. He was a successful high school football coach, was Texas Coach of the Year one year. College football coach, coached at ACU. And then the last about 30 years of his life, he worked for his brother in a very successful construction company in San Antonio. My father-in-law could build anything. Let me just show you some of the things he built. You ever been to Memorial Stadium in Austin? See that upper deck? My father-in-law built that. That was his job. You've been to the Alamo Dome in San Antonio? That was his job. He built every square inch of it. You see the Tower of the Americas behind it? He built that. Have you been to the Riverwalk and seen the Convention Center? That was his job. Or have you stayed at the Hyatt Hill Country Resort? That was his job. Or have you gone to Fiesta, Texas and taken your kids? That's more Of his work. And that's just part of his work. He built hospitals and office buildings and parking garages all over South Texas. Some of the things he built will probably be standing a hundred years from now. But when we got together at his funeral Friday, we didn't talk about any of his buildings. We talked about The people he loved. We talked about the high school boys that couldn't have gone to college if he hadn't found them a way and got them a scholarship. We talked about the football players that he molded and trained. The way he taught them to love their wives and to go to church and to be good fathers. We told story after story after story of the things he did that will last he was a great builder but I'm not talking about barns when we stand before God the things that really matter won't 
be things. What are you building with your life besides a barn again? Listen to the words of these songs while you think about that question. When it's all been said and done There is just one thing that matters Did I do my best to live for truth? Did I live my life for you? When it's all been said and All my treasures will mean nothing Only what I've done for love's reward Will stand the test of time Let me show you some more pictures. These are pictures of your brothers and sisters right here at Richmond Hills. Doing things that matter. Things that are going to stand the test of time. Things that you can do. You can go on a mission trip. You can be a counselor at Royal Family Kids Camp. You can go on Let's Start Talking trip and teach somebody the Bible. You can join Menders for the Masters right here and help build houses for the needy. You can lead a small group. You can be a youth worker. You can teach one of the classes of our children on Sunday morning and be the person that tells them about Jesus. You can go to the hospitals. You can take food to that grieving family. You can find somebody every week and say, How you doing? and promise to pray for them. You can. You can do things That will last. Because we were made for so much more than just building barns. He's coming back soon. We want to show him what we've done that really matters. Would you stand with me, please? We'll sing about his return, and as we sing, if you're ready to be baptized into Jesus, this is your moment. Come down right now. Be baptized as we worship.